How can statistics aid research about health effects of air pollution and climate change? What is the underlying difference between data science and statistics? And what is the Harvard Data Science Initiative? Francesca Domenici is here to answer all these questions for you. Dr. Domenici obtained her PhD degree in statistics from the University of Padua in Italy and currently is Clarence James Gamble Professor of Biostatistics, Population and Data Science at the Harvard T.H. Chang School of Public Health and co-director of the Harvard Data Science Initiative. The main focus of her research is to utilize statistical techniques in addressing significant problems in environmental health science, pollution, and climate change. Her studies have resulted in a direct and continuous impact on air quality policies, leading to more stringent standards for ambient air quality in the United States. In addition, she has a keen interest in Bayesian causal inference methods for large-scale observational data and their potential application to comparative effectiveness research in cancer. Other than the academic achievements, Dr. Domenici also devotes herself into promoting diversity in academia. Let's dive into this episode to see what she shared with us. Hi, Francesca. Welcome to Biostatistics Podcast. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, so I'm wondering, can you start by telling us a bit about your background and how be- you became interested in biostatistics? Uh, yes, sure. Um, I would say I probably have an unusual uh, background. I uh, I am first-generation student. Um, mm-hmm. None in my family has a college degree, and still now none of my standard family has a college degree. I was born in Rome, Italy, mm-hmm. and I started my studies um, in the University di La Sapienza in Rome. It was always very clear to me that I love mathematics, but as I started my uh, bachelor, I realized that I wanted to do something that was very mathematical oriented, but um, had at the same time the ability to um, the ability to solve important problems. And so I came across uh, the field of st- statistics in my twenties. And it was pretty clear, you know, it was literally love at first sight. It was exactly what I wanted to do. So I finished my college degree at the University of La Sapienza in Rome. And then I did a, a national competition to get into, into an Italian PhD program. So I started a PhD program in statistics at University of Padova, Italy, then I was able to do be a visiting student at Duke University, um, and I convinced my Italian PhD program to sponsor me to finish my PhD program at Duke. Um, and then I applied for a postdoctoral fellowship position in Biostat at Hopkins, and then transitioned to you know a Biostat tenure track faculty and. And I was at Hopkins for 12 years, and now I've been at Harvard for 14 years. 
So, yeah, so it's been a long road from, you know, Rome, Italy to Padua to Duke University, North Carolina to Johns Hopkins and Baltimore and now um, Cambridge and Boston, Harvard. It definitely sounds like such an exciting journey, but I'm also wondering how did you switch from just statistics? I guess not switching, but how did you choose the bio stats um, instead of other applied stats? Yeah, I mean... I would say Biosat chose, you know, decided to choose me because I, my training and my PhD uh, is in statistics, mm-hmm. and um, my my thesis is, I would say, my my PhD thesis was the traditional PhD thesis in statistics. It was on Bayesian hierarchical models. Um, but when I was at Duke University finishing my Italian PhD, I started to get involved in more applied statistics. Again, mm-hmm. I, I always really loved to develop new methodology, but also with a corpus. Mm-hmm. So I always like to think about, okay, what's the motivating problem? What is the, the scientific question? And then how I'm going to address this question with statistical thinking and so even through my thesis there were some examples of um, applied statistics and then when I was finishing my Italian PhD at Duke University I started to apply for postdoctoral fellowship and that's where uh, my thesis on Bayesian hierarchical model seems to fit very well a research project at Johns Hopkins and Biostat and on combining information across studies on mm-hmm. um, is, is establishing the relationship between air pollution and health. And so when I got the offer from Johns Hopkins, uh, it seems to me that that was a very good fit and that happened to be in a Biostat department. And so mm-hmm. that's how I started my career really in Biostat. And I've been very happy about that. That's great to hear. Uh, I guess one question I, I always ask all the professors is that, how did you pick the research topic that you end up working on? For example, I know you work on some air pollution related health climate and some causal inference method, as well as some uh, comparative effectiveness research. I'm wondering, how did you come to that path? Yeah, I mean, I think um, in the context of um so my first, you know, when, when I got my first job to be a postdoctoral fellow in the biostat department at Johns Hopkins, that was to work on a specific research project, which is how you define and, and develop Bayesian hierarchical model to combining information across several locations to estimate the relationship between air pollution and health. Mm-hmm. So um, in a certain way, again, my job the description already included the research area that I was working on. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that the extremely stimulating um, and really, again, it really re- represented to me the perfect framework where we had the really important societal problem where we wanted to um, regulate the, the level of contaminants in the air and you can do that by providing statistical evidence that are harmful to you. 
So that was really the very good paradigm for my research. So I work on air pollution and health for, for, for many years. So then throughout my career, and that's the beauty to be a biostatistician, is that you can always get involved in other areas. So when I came uh, also Harvard, I wanted to um, explore other areas of research. And so, um, first of all, I was really interested in getting to understand more the field of causal inference, because ultimately, when you're trying to figure out whether or not a contaminant is harmful or whether or not a policy regulation works, you're really trying to address a causal question. So, mm -hmm. I started to learn more about causal inference. And then I also um, wanted to learn a little bit more about cancer. And so I started several collaborative projects to really understand which of the uh, more uh, uh, advanced treatment and cancer research were um, beneficial. The interesting thing is then eventually I went back to air pollution and climate research Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I went back to, to the area I started to work with because I, I mean, I, I really love that. And especially now with, um, the climate crisis that we are all facing mm -hmm. and the fact that climate and air pollution are really two sides of the same coin. Um, you know, it's, it's really continued to spark my, my interest and my passion to, uh, train the new the new generation. So it's you know it's not that I woke up in the morning and I said, okay, should I work on this area? Should I work on this area? I just take the opportunities, and I'm always you know very welcoming in terms of trying to understand new areas of research. But mm -hmm. also I try to figure out in which area of research, with my interests and my training and my skill, can really. Um, contribute right versus mm -hmm. contribute in a significant way versus making marginal um marginal contribution i see that's very interesting uh when you're talking about the when you work on air pollution climate change and stuff um you did mention it is very relevant to the policy changing i'm wondering how much of your work is aside of being a biostatistician uh, how, how much of your work is related to the regulatory side of this well, topic? Yeah, a, a huge part because um, in the context of regulating air, air pollution, um, you know, there is a law which is called the Cleaner Act. The, mm -hmm. the Cleaner Act is a federal law that requires the Environmental Protection Agency to set what's called the National Ambient Air Quality Standard. These are considered a safety standard. Mm -hmm. And if there is data science evidence, the level of, of air pollution below the safety standard is still harmful to human health, by law, the EPA has to lower the safety standard, right? Mm -hmm. So there is, a, there is, I would say, a perfect opportunity for a data scientist, a statistician, to impact policy because what you have to do is to do the best possible statistical analysis to provide evidence or lack of as whether or not the safety standard that the APA is setting are truly safe. Mm -hmm. 
And analyzing this data is a very complex. So these are data that vary in time and space, and there is measurement error, there is confounding, and you have to address question of causality. So I I always I like to be laser focused into developing methodology and analyzing data that can directly inform policy and they can be directly translatable in a new legislation that protects public health. I see. Um, is there any current projects that you're working on that you think will be very interesting to share for our audience? Sure, yeah. So there is um, one project that we're actively working on is, um, as you might know, just uh, last uh, January, 2023, the Environmental Protection Agency has announced they are planning to lower the safety standard for fine particulate matter from 12 micrograms per cubic meter to potentially 10 or 8. And also they wanted to um, um, protect the most marginal, uh, marginalized communities. And so we are conducting additional analysis and additional modeling to be able to inform directly this decision. So should they lower to 10, to nine, to eight, but also mm -hmm. by lowering to what degree they are going to support um, and allowing a benefit also for the marginalized community, like the person of low income or mm -hmm. underrepresented and minority. I see. That's so exciting. And I think it's very meaningful work, for sure. And when you're talking, you constantly talk about data science and statisticians, I guess statistics. Um, I learned that you're also the co-director of the data science initiative in Hopper. I'm wondering, since data science is such a broad term, how do you think statistics fall be below that term? So uh, data science is, uh, in my mind, a, a pretty comprehensive discipline that includes, includes fields like statistical methods and application and computer science and machine learning and AI. In my mind, when I think about data science, I really think about the science of the data. And I think about how do we extract meaningful, actionable knowledge from the huge amount of data between quotes that is now available through uh, words, through sensor, through social media, through our interaction with the internet, through the news, um, through cell phones, right? Mm -hmm. So originally when, when you think about the field of statistics, the field of statistics started, or some part of the field of statistics was really part of doing an analysis of the experiments where you would start with a specific hypothesis and then you will collect data. And then after you collect the data, you have a specific study design and then you test the hypothesis. 
But with the data science or the science of data is actually the opposite. The data come first. You have this massive amount of data uh, that comes from everywhere that is collected for different purposes. And then you try to extract knowledge for that from that data. So it really data science includes, I would say, the context of what type of information you are seeking, includes huge amount of data engineering, how you align, how you clean, how you build this gigantic database. It includes the statistical thinking, mm -hmm. how you analyze the data, how you develop a model, how you quantify the uncertainty. It includes computer science in terms of how you um, think about fairness, how you think about uh, neural network, how you think about prediction. Um, but there are also ethical you know, it's also important to always think about the ethical use of data. Um, how do we make sure that we don't propagate biases? How do we make sure that there are not some ill use of what is now the chat GPT, right? So um, it's it's, I think we have to think that data now is the new currency. Data is very powerful. And so the data science is really the discipline that should govern the way as we extract information from this data that ultimately benefits, you know, benefits society and the world and is not used for heal purposes. Mm -hmm. I see. That's very insightful. I'm wondering, can you elaborate a little bit more on what exactly is this data science initiative you're trying to build? So the, yeah, the data science initiative at Harvard is a university-wide, uh, which has been really exciting. The fact that it's an initiative that um, really supposed to touch um, all of the schools at Harvard. So from... Um, law school, the divinity school, design, dental, medicine, public health, art and sciences, engineering, because it's almost impossible right now to think about scientific discipline that doesn't deal with data in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, it's very broad, but also I think it's important that we have a purpose and the purpose is really to advance data science with the lens of having a positive impact. Mm -hmm. So we want it to be extremely interdisciplinary. We like to convene faculty across the university. We like to provide funding for research project, interdisciplinary research project, always with the lens of how can we leverage this huge amount of data in an ethical and technically rigorous way so then we can have a positive impact where we can advance our understanding of poverty, of malnutrition, we can combat climate change, we can assure access to education to everyone, um, we can figure out the, the critical cause of factor of, of gun violence, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about a lot of the great majority of huge problems that we are facing, are problems that can be advanced, if not fully uh, addressed via data science. 
I see. It sounds like a very comprehensive project and because you can apply the data science into a different kind of field. Exactly. Um, sounds very interesting. So how do you think, I guess, not just biostatistics features, uh, research in general, statistics research will evolve in the coming years? Well, I think, you know, a very good training of statistics is an essential component of data science. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you an example, I mean, multiple examples. When you have a formal training in statistics, uh, first of all, we are thought about the sampling mechanism, how the data that we are sampled, like is this a representative sample of our target population? Mm-hmm. And I think that um, when we are studying, for example, data from survey that you're getting from an app, well, you have to think about which population you, you know, these, these uh, who are the people that have responded to that survey? So let me give you a simple example. Often um, when you download a new app on your phone, they ask you, did you like this app? And you say yes. And then they said, would you like to take a survey? Well, that's a classical example where when you're going to look at the data of the survey, you're going to look at the data of the survey among the people that like the app to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a biased sample, right? Mm-hmm. So as a statistician, we can recognize immediately whether or not our sample is rap- rap- representative. And that's why our, our training is so important. The other really important training of statistics that's so important in the science is how we quantify the uncertainty in our estimation. So when whatever we're trying to estimate, um, how we calculate the uncertainty, and that's really important, and how we propagate uncertainty throughout the entire data science pipeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have uncertainty about the error, for example, the variable is collected, well, that should be propagated into your estimation, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about the entire data science pipeline, it's not that the different elements of the data science pipeline don't talk to each other, but you should consider that they are they should be all integrated. Mm-hmm. And the other, I would say, just a third element of statistics that's so important in data science is correlation and mm-hmm. e- dependence in the data. Often some of the machine learning algorithms, they most of the time think that the data are independent, but in real problems and in a societal problem, we all know that everything is interacting with each other. And so again, we as a statistician know very well that you cannot calculate the standard error when you have you know spatial data treating the data that is as independent because you mm-hmm. will underestimate the uncertainty. So I think that the training that we get in traditional statistical training, it's really paramount as you're wanted become a data scientist and you know in the full data science pipeline. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the statistical training is definitely very important. So for those students who wish to pursue a degree in biostatistics or statistics in general, what advice do you want to give them? Well, I think it's an excellent degree to to, to pursue. <laughs> I think it's, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's um, you'll you'll never be without a job with a degree in statistics and biostatistics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that these days is a really fantastic opportunity because it allows you to work in different areas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have acquired the expertise and the tools. You can work in cancer, you can work in environment, you can work in education, you can work in infection diseases, you can work on climate, you can work in environment, mm-hmm. and you can change your area of a passion and expertise throughout your time. So you have opportunity to work in academia, you have opportunity to work in industry, you can work in uh, um, nonprofit, you can work in go- government, you can work in public health departments. So um, clearly, you know, you're asking me, which I am a passionate biostatistician, but definitely degree that I will highly, highly recommend. I see. Um, So when you pursue your career or your degree, are there any obstacles that you encountered from the process? Um. Fortunately, not many. I mean, it. For me, it's been always, you know, love at first sight. Mm-hmm. So um, I embrace the training with a lot of excitement and commitment. Um, I think just experience as a professor, I think that um, the two most common challenges are the fact that some of the training can be pretty technical. Mm-hmm. And so you have to embrace you know, the, the ability and the passion to learn um, probability theory and real analysis and, you know, take some of the more advanced courses. And um, and then I think um, also the possibility that in terms of the applied area, research area, you might start with something that you don't like, right? But, but that's fine because you can always transition on something different. But I haven't, I was really lucky. I love the training. I always really loved the, the technical part of the training. And my first research project happened to be in a research area that I liked. So for me, it was pretty easy. Um, but I think, you know, I think you just have to be aware that the training can be pretty technical. I see, that's very good advice. Um, so, which I guess, thank you for all of the great insight that you give us, which bring us to the end of this podcast episode. Uh, my last question is, what is one question that you wish I had asked and how would you have answered it? Or it could be anything that you wanted to share, but I haven't asked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great question. Well, um, I think that um, Maybe one one thing to always keep in mind, and this is something I've been valuing more and more throughout the year, is the importance of rape, rape, reproducibility and the importance of embracing the culture of uh, using a GitHub rape, repository and reproducible code and that there is there is a tension there because in one hand um it's really important to 
I'll do your research that is fully re reproducible and accessible from, by others. On the other hand, it's there is a still, you know, there is a, this little fear that people might find mistakes in what you did, which they will, because the bottom line is statistics is complicated. So I I hope that we will con we will continue. I think we are on the right track, but we will continue to embrace a culture in biostatistics, any statistics, where it becomes the norm. And I think it is happening already that we share the code of everything that we do, but also that we embrace the norm that to make a mistake or not calculating the standard error in the best possible way, it's human. Mm -hmm. and, and, and as a community, we should work toward a, a fully reproducible data science that goes together with constructive criticism and mm -hmm. constructive feedback to help each other doing better instead of criticism. For sure. That sounds really important because I do notice that sometimes when I try to get access to other people's research and I want to reproduce their result, uh, they don't really have their code uploaded anywhere. So I have to contact them by email. So it would definitely be more convenient if this awareness of reproducing reproduction could be more spread in the statistics community. Thank you, Francesca, for coming to the Statistics Podcast. And it's great talking to you. Thank you very much for, for the interview and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.